Good morning. My name is Steve Lombardo. I'm uh, one of the pastors here at Village Bible Church, and it's my honor and privilege uh, to bring God's Word to you this morning. And so thanks for your presence here. And uh, we ask that uh, God would be our teacher this morning, that the Holy Spirit would uh, speak to us, that He would convict us of sin, that He would draw us closer to Himself, and that He would do it as we look to His Word together. And our spiritual food this morning is found in 1 Samuel chapter 28. So if you got a Bible, go to 1 Samuel uh, chapter 28. If you don't have a Bible and you need a Bible, uh, feel free to take one of the paperback Bibles that we have in the back. Out in the uh, foyer, there's a, uh, a rack of books and Bibles. Take one of those Bibles out there if you got it. The Lost and Found's got some good study Bibles. If you want to study Bible, go to the Lost and Found. Grab one of those, and uh, we want you to have God's Word in your hand. And we're going to be in 1 Samuel 28. And as we uh, look at this story today, let me just give you a heads up that uh, there's not uh, much to redeem out of the story. It's not something that's going to um, lift our spirits and boost our spirits uh, this morning, apart from the Lord using it. Uh, and so when as we look at the Scriptures, we uh, see what some preachers call the gospel uh, from the air and the gospel on the ground. And so the gospel is the good news of God. God has some good news. The good news is that His salvation is available to all, and His salvation is coming to all of creation and so when you look at the big picture, when you look at the scriptures from the air, you look down, you see the whole thing, you see the creation, that God made all things good, and you, and you see uh, the fall, sin came into the world. And then you see redemption and reconciliation through the cross, that God himself came into the world and fixed it. And he restores then a people to himself. His kingdom has come, and it's coming in full. This is the big picture of the gospel from the air. But then when you get down on the ground, you see it uh, from an individual perspective. You see it as uh, our responsibility that we have sinned. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And God would then bring, and we pray that he does bring, conviction of our sin, that we would see our sin as an affront to a holy and righteous God, and that we would turn from our sin. It's called repentance. We would turn from our sin and turn to God's way. And we put our faith and our hope and our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then God, through his Holy Spirit, would come into our lives and change us and make us into his disciple. That we would grow then in our sanctification. We become more like Jesus Christ. And this is everyday life. This is the gospel. It's the good news on the ground today. And in all of 1 Samuel, in our series, we've been on the ground We've been in the muck and mire of everyday life, and that's why we've called it Shattered. First Samuel is a book about shattered lives, about brokenness. And we've seen all of these stories, and they've been tough stories, and we're going to see the end of Saul today. It's not a pretty picture. Proverbs 14, 12, we read this, there is a way that seemed right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. And this is what's going to happen to Saul. King Saul, who we've seen from the beginning, he has consistently went his own way. When he was anointed king of Israel in 1 Samuel chapter 10, 
they come to anoint him, and he's nowhere to be found. He's, it's a really weird story. He's hiding in the baggage, in the luggage area. It, it's strange. From the beginning, Saul did what he wanted to do and not God's commands. Chapter 13, you remember this? We talked about it. Saul doesn't want to wait for Samuel to make the sacrifice. The men are getting all restless, and King Saul sees all the men, and he thinks they're going to desert him, and we haven't done the sacrifice. We haven't gotten God on our side yet. Samuel's not here. I'm going to go ahead and do the thing that I shouldn't do, take matters into my own hands and make the sacrifice. He does his own thing. There is a way that seem right, seems right to a man. Chapter 15 God has commanded Saul to uh, wipe out all of the Amalekites, including the, the sheep and, the, uh, and all the animals. But what does Saul do? He keeps the best of the best uh, for his men and for himself. And he goes against God's command. So Samuel gets there and he says, what's going on, Saul? And Saul says, I've done everything that the Lord has commanded. And Samuel's like, I hear sheep. What's that sound? Oh, well, I just wanted to worship God by sacrificing the best. That's not what God commanded. Time and time again, King Saul does his own thing, his own way. He's jealous of David. David rises up and kills Goliath. They come into Jerusalem. They're singing the praises of, of David and Saul. And we remember last week the envy of King Saul seeing David receiving the praise of the people, even more so than himself. And he's envious and he seeks to kill David and to wipe him out, King Saul. This is the story. Uh, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads uh, to death. Wisdom, as defined by uh, Wilson's word study, uh, wisdom in the Old Testament is this. You'll see it in your notes. It comes by experience. It comes by the receiving of instruction and the exercising of correct judgment. We're talking about shattered wisdom today. Saul is going to go to the, uh, the, uh, the world for wisdom, for knowledge. But in the Old Testament, wisdom is not merely head knowledge. So when you hear the word wisdom, it's not just knowing a bunch of stuff. For the ancient Israelite, and for us today, true wisdom is having the knowledge, but then as that quote just said, exercising correct judgment. So it's having the knowledge that God gives us, but it's putting it into practice. Saul was a man who had the knowledge. He had the truth. He had Samuel helping him and guiding him and directing him. He had the knowledge, but he failed in putting it into practice. So now we're ready for 1 Samuel chapter 28. And I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading of God's word. 1 Samuel chapter 28, start at verse 3. And then if you got the strength, we're going to go all the way through the chapter. Ready? Reading in Jesus' name. Now Samuel had died, and all Israel had mourned for him and buried him in Ramah, his own city. And Saul had put the mediums and the necromancers out of the land. The Philistines assembled and came and encamped at Shunem. And Saul gathered all Israel, and they encamped at Gilboa. When Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart trembled greatly. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him, either by dreams or by Urim or by prophets. 
Then Saul said to his servants, seek out for me a woman who is a medium, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servant said to him, behold, there is a medium at Endor. So Saul disguised himself and put on other garments and went, he and the two men with him, and they came to the woman by night. And he said, divine for me a spirit and bring up for me whomever I shall name to you. The woman said to him, surely you know that what Saul has done, how he's cut off the mediums and the necromancers from the land. Why then are you laying a trap for my life to bring about my death? But Saul swore to her by the Lord, as the Lord lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. Then the woman said, woman said, whom shall I bring up for you? He said, bring up Samuel for me. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice. And the woman said to Saul, why have you deceived me? You are Saul. The king said to her, do not be afraid. What do you see? And the woman said to Saul, I see a, a God coming up out of the earth. He said to her, what is his appearance? And she said, an old man is coming up and he is wrapped in a robe. And Saul knew that it was Samuel and he bowed with his face to the ground and paid homage. Then Samuel said to Saul, why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? Saul answered, I am in great distress for the Philistines are warring against me and God has turned away from me and answers me no more, either by prophets or by dreams. Therefore, I have summoned you to tell me what I shall do. And Samuel said, why then do you ask me since the Lord has turned from you and become your enemy? The Lord has done to you as he spoke by me for the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand and has given it to your neighbor, David, because you did not obey the voice of the Lord and did not carry out his fierce wrath against Amalek. Therefore, the Lord has done this thing to you this day. Moreover, the Lord will give Israel also with you into the hand of the Philistines, and tomorrow you and your sons shall be with me. The Lord will give the army of Israel also into the hand of the Philistines. Then Saul fell at once full length on the ground, filled with fear because of the words of Samuel, and there was no strength in him, for he had eaten nothing all day and all night. And the woman came to Saul, and when she saw that he was terrified, she said to him, Behold, your servant has obeyed you. I have taken my life in my hand and have listened to what you have said to me. Now therefore you also obey your servant. Let me set a morsel of bread before you and eat, that you may have strength when you go on your way. He refused and said, I will not eat. But his servants, together with the woman, urged him, and he listened to their words. So he arose from the earth and sat on the bed. Now the woman had a fattened calf in the house and she quickly killed it and she took flour and kneaded it and baked unleavened bread of it and she put it before Saul and his servants and they ate. Then they rose and went away that night. Let's pray. Lord, we uh, thank you for this, your word. And God, we, we ask that you would come and teach us uh, through the life of Saul. Um, you would teach us what true wisdom is and how we can... Uh, attain it, and how we can live it, Lord, uh, for your glory. So change us, convict us, strengthen us today, even in the muck and mire of this story. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Wow, what a story. What a story. We got a lot to get to uh, today, but what an incredible story as we look at really the end of the life of Saul. Actually, we go to chapter 31 and we read um, the final uh, death notice of him and his sons. So let's start here. Number one, we make bad choices. We make bad choices in times of trials. 
in times of trials. Saul was in a time of, of uh, a terrible trial. Verses 3, 4, and 5, we read that the Philistines are gathered together. Uh, Saul doesn't know what's going to happen. Samuel has just died, verse 3. So he doesn't have Samuel there anymore. He doesn't have the prophet of God there anymore. And yet the Philistines are raging. The battle is coming. The battle lines are being drawn, even on this day, for the battle that would happen tomorrow. And King Saul is in a world of hurt. Many of us face trials of all different kinds. As I look over uh, the congregation this morning, I can see and recognize and think of uh, various trials that we face from trials that aren't so big. Okay, here's the, the little trial. It's, it's uh, going to church on a Sunday morning and, and everybody's fighting and the kids are talking and the kids are yelling and they're not obeying and husband and wife aren't getting along. And you're on your way to church and uh, you're arguing and you're mad and everybody's yelling and you pull in the church parking lot and open the door and see somebody. Glory, brother, good morning, good to see you. <laughs> Yet there's a trial that's raging in your car. I've been there this morning. Just kidding. No. <laughs> um, but there are serious trials, aren't there? There are times of, of desperation. So what are some times in your life trials that you've experienced or someone you know have experienced? Let's just hear some. Let's hear some from our, our church. What's that? The passing of a loved one. How many in this past year have experienced death some way in your family? Many. What else? Loss of job. Loss of income. What are we going to do? What else? Miscarriage. The hope and joy of a new baby on its way to have that come to an end. So many have experienced that. What else? Illness. Sickness. Not having the strength to do the things that you want to do, that you need to do. What else? Alzheimer's. Losing the faculties that God has given you, not being able to, and the family around witnessing that. Yeah. There's so many things. What's that? Losing sight. Hard things. All trials. Uh, we make bad choices uh, many times when we're faced with desperate times. And we're going to get there in a minute, but let me just go to uh, B. We're going to come back to the five things that people turn to in a second. But I want to go through Saul's bad choices here. We make bad choices in times of trials. We also make bad choices when God is quiet. When God is quiet. You see in the story here, Saul has turned to whatever prophets are left. Samuel's dead and gone, but the prophets are quiet. We read that the Urim isn't telling him what to do. The Urim and uh, Thummim in the Old Testament, we don't know exactly what they are something that the high priest would use to discern, to divine uh, God's uh, commands, God's, um, God's judgment, okay? 
So we don't know exactly what they were. They were kept in the breastplate, so in a pouch. Some people think they were like stones that were uh, used to show if somebody was guilty or, or innocent. And, and so the, this Urim and Thummim, it's one of the ways in the Old Testament that God used to um, speak to his people through his will. Also, the casting of lots was used in the Old Testament. And you see that even with the choosing of King Saul, the lots were cast. You remember the story of Jonah? Lots were cast, divided, and it's like Jonah came up with the shortest one. You know, he, he's the guy. God seemed to work through these different ways in the Old Testament. He doesn't work in those ways now. We have his word revealed to us. We have the Holy Spirit uh, who has come in Acts chapter 2, who lives inside of us and bears witness with our soul, with our consciences. So these ways are old ways, but nonetheless, Saul was trying to seek God, and none of these ways worked, and the dreams weren't uh, uh, being interpreted. Nothing was coming from, from God. So God's quiet. And then thirdly, we make bad choices when we choose to sin, and this is ultimately the, uh, the, the place that Saul goes to. So Saul is going to go because he's a, in a time of trial. He's not hearing from God. He doesn't know what to do, and so he chooses to sin. He does what is outlawed, what he himself has outlawed in all of the land of Israel, and he goes to a witch. He goes to a medium. He goes to a necromancer. He goes to a psychic. He goes to somebody who can read your palm. He goes to the tarot card reader. He goes to Charlie Chari. He goes to the Ouija board, and he goes and he, he seeks spiritual help from evil. Now we read all about this through the pages of Scripture. Let me just give you some. You can jot down the references if you want to look at them on your own. <clears throat> Leviticus 19.31 Do not turn to mediums or necromancers. Do not seek them out and so make yourselves unclean by them. I am the Lord your God. Deuteronomy 18.9-12 When you come into the land that the Lord your God has given you, you shall not learn to follow the abominable practices of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who burns a son or daughter as an offering, anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes or interprets omens or a sorcerer or a charmer or a medium or a necromancer or one who inquires of the dead. For whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God is driving them out before you. 2 Kings 21, verse 6, speaking of the king of Israel, King Manasseh, he burned his son as an offering and used fortune-telling and omens and dealt with mediums and with necromancers. He did much evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking him to anger. Leviticus 20, verse 6, if a person turns to mediums and necromancers, whoring after them, I will set my face against that person and will cut him off from among his people. 1 Chronicles 10, 13, so Saul died for his breach of faith. He broke faith with the Lord in that he did not keep the command of the Lord and also consulted a medium seeking guidance. Leviticus 20, 27, a man or woman who is a medium or a necromancer shall surely be put to death. So in his time of trial, God is seemingly quiet. Saul chooses to sin. What do we do? in times of trials, when God is quiet. Let me give you now the top five things people turn to in times of desperation. See if you can find yourself in one of these. 
Top five things people turn to in desperation. First, surrounding support. People turn to those that are around, to friends, to family, to a spouse, to the church. What a good thing. Even as Chad prayed this morning for the Welch family, that they would find strength in their church family. Uh, that the Fatormas, <clears throat> with Thomas dying, uh, they would find strength and help in their time of trial with Village Bible Church, their church family. With the Jagers, with little baby Joseph, as we've prayed for them and prayed for him that they would find help and strength in their church family. Some people turn, number two, to spirituality. Spirituality, not necessarily the God of heaven and earth, but we'll turn to uh, the occult. We'll turn to um, finding answers in the spiritual realm, but not as God prescribes. Um, we'll go to the church of Oprah. We'll, we'll, we'll have self-realization. Let's, I'll find myself spiritually, and I discover that I myself am a God, and I can fix my own problems. Turn to spirituality. Number three, people turn to substances. Maybe food in the time of desperation. Maybe drugs when times are difficult. Maybe prescription drugs to get you through that time. Alcohol. 2013 study release showed that a quarter of all adults binge drank in the last month. How about this? Number four, special systems, we'll call it. Special systems. Let's, let's turn to a, 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 a way of living that people say to try in times of desperation, in times of need. I read about this on, on Facebook last week I saw, and when you're feeling anxious, um, do these steps. And uh, I can't remember exactly all that they were, but identify five things that you can see. Identify four things that you can hear. Uh, identify and touch three things that you can feel. And, um, and here's a system to try. Man, my money is gone. I don't know what to do. Dave Ramsey's got the money makeover. Let's go to Dave Ramsey, a special system. And then fifthly, the source, to God. What does he say about where I am? What is, what is God's thoughts on my situation? And we have all the pages of Scripture and the witness of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit inside of believers to, to guide us along the godly way. For Saul, Saul seems like he's coming to God, to the source, Right? When he's going to these other ways, these Urim and the prophets and the dreams, he seems like he's going to God, but he, he, he's going to God out of desperation to get him out of the trouble and the predicament that he's in. See, there's the difference. He has rejected God and God's commands his whole life, but now when he sees that the end is possibly near, now, God, I need to hear from you, God. Now I need to hear from you. It wasn't Saul going to the Lord with a brokenness and seeking his forgiveness and restoration. 
We see that in our own life, don't we? If we're honest, in times of desperation or when we get caught, then we need God. But when we're okay, then we don't need him. When we, in times of desperation, call out to God, it's not just that God would deliver us from the circumstances or the consequences, but that God would restore us to himself and that we would humbly come to him seeking his forgiveness and restoration. Where do you land on that list? We're thankful for the church. We're thankful for those around us who support us. I'm thankful that the Lord... We can come to him. Number two, we see in the story that then as Saul chooses to sin, his sin takes him somewhere very dark. Sin leads us to disguise ourselves. That's the first thing we see in the story uh, with Saul. Saul disguises himself in verse 8, and he actually goes behind enemy lines to find this witch, the witch of Endor. So he, he goes with two other servants. They all cover themselves up so they can't see who they are to make it to this witch. Now, um, I have a map. I don't know how helpful it is uh, because it's pretty small, but let's see if, if it's, uh, yeah, that's not helpful, but uh, um, <laughs> at the top of that map, okay, at the top of that map, you see a red line around, anyway, that's the, where, where Saul is um, and uh, his kingdom, and what uh, scholars tell us is that uh, they're stationed at Gilboa, and, uh, and you can take that down. I was just distracting, but they're at Gilboa and Mount Gilboa, and they can see the Philistine army is gathering. And Endor was right in the enemy lines. Actually, uh, some have said about two miles past where the Israelite and King, De King Saul, his kingdom was. So he had to get dressed and in the darkness of night, we see it in the text, go past enemy lines to get to the witch because all of the necromancers, the witches, the mediums have been outlawed in Israel. Saul had taken a stand publicly. Now for you, if you're an unbeliever, sin, um, you're not disguising yourself when you sin. Sin is your language. It's your common practice. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, it says that you are dead in your sin. As an unbeliever, one who's not saved, who hasn't experienced forgiveness of the Lord Jesus Christ, you're, you're, you're bound to sin forever. And so that's who you are. There's no disguising it. That's just who you are. And um, here's the thing. Some people would like to say, your sin's not that bad. Your sin's worse than you'd ever imagined. And it's a front to God. But wait, I'm better than a lot of other people. God doesn't judge you according to your neighbor or your friend or your brother or your sister or your husband or your wife. He judges you based on his holiness. And so if you're not a believer today, if you're not a disciple, this is your native tongue, sin. It's not a disguise, but for the Christian for the disciple of Jesus Christ, when you choose to sin, you choose to put your grave clothes back on. You, cho you choose to walk in the old ways. Ephesians uh, chapter 2 that we just mentioned, 
verse 1, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Verse 2, in which you once walked, following the course of this world. You used to walk in those ways, believer. You used to choose sin. Actually, you couldn't do anything else. But Jesus Christ, who is rich in mercy with the great love with which he has loved you, he raised you up to the heavenlies. You're seated in, in, with Christ in the heavenlies right now as a believer of Jesus Christ. So why would you choose to walk in those old ways when you, dis, you disguise yourself? You're, you're a new creation. You're not, you're not a sinner condemned by your sin. You're a sinner saved by God's grace. And so, sin leads us to dark places. It leads us away from God. This is the second thing. Away from God. The Holy Spirit has left Saul at this point. We've read it in the story over the last few weeks. The Holy Spirit is no longer with Saul. Christian, the Holy Spirit is with you, and he promises to be with you. But when you choose to sin, a number of different things happen, okay? In your relationship with God, with the Holy Spirit, when you choose to sin, here's what happens. You grieve the Holy Spirit of God. You grieve him. We read this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. When you choose to do that which is not right, it grieves the Holy Spirit. Secondly, when you don't do what the Holy Spirit commands you to do, you quench the Spirit of God. Okay? So grieving God, grieving the Holy Spirit who lives inside you is doing the things that he commands you not to do. But when you don't do the things that he asks you to do, that quenches the Spirit of God living inside you. That's 1 Thessalonians 5.14. And so when you grieve, you commit the sin which grieves the Holy Spirit of God, but when you refuse to do that which he's calling you to do, you quench his work in your life. God might be asking you to do a number of different things, and you've heard him, but you've consistently said, not today, not now. You're quenching the Holy Spirit, his work in your life. Sin leads us away from God. Saul comes to the witch, and you see what happens. The witch says, who am I going to call up? First, she's afraid I, I could get killed for this, something fishy here. And then she actually calls up Samuel. And Samuel seems to appear and has a message for Saul. So what in the world's going on here? What in the world is going on here? Well, there's uh, several different ways that you can look at this. Um, and if you were part of a small group, you know these ways because this was part of our small group study. Um, the first one is you can just say this is uh, a deception by the medium. This witch is just a crock. It's not real. It doesn't, she's just making stuff up, okay? Or it's a hallucination of the medium. She's imagining these things. But the problem with these two explanations is it really doesn't make sense because it doesn't explain why the, the witch is really afraid. Did you notice that in the text? When she calls up Samuel and she sees Samuel, she's, ah! She's afraid. So then you could say, well, maybe it's just a demonic interpretation because we know that when you're playing around in the spiritual realm, demonic powers, evil spirits, evil entities are around. Maybe it's an impersonation. The problem with that is that the text says Samuel says. 
So what, what I would say would be a good interpretation is this, is that it is a genuine appearance of Saul. For some reason, in God's sovereignty, he allowed uh, a genuine appearance of Samuel, excuse me. In God's sovereignty, he allowed Samuel to come and really speak the condemning words that have already been spoken uh, to King Saul. The spiritual realm is real, and the witch and Saul see it. So that leads us to address this, that when we mess around with the spiritual realm, it's dangerous. It's dangerous. When we visit psychics, when we bring uh, uh, palm readers to a party, it's just going to be a fun time, and we're going to have this psychic here. You're going to tell us our future. We can maybe talk to our loved ones. Who's that guy that had his TV show, John Edwards? He, He talked to ones that have gone on before. We can talk to them, and it gives me closure. gives me satisfaction. However, you're opening yourself up to evil. As we already mentioned, even stupid things can be dangerous, like a Ouija board or the Charlie Charlie game that a lot of kids are talking about now, where you invite a demonic entity, a spiritual entity, to give you answers that you ask. Usually that game starts out with questions like, can we play? Or are you here? This is real stuff. It's dark and evil. And it's in the, the moments before, the day before Saul's death. Last year in May, in Waukesha, Wisconsin, two 12-year-old girls lured another girl the same age from her class into the woods and they stabbed her 19 times. Maybe you remember this. Allegedly, in order to impress the fictional character online called the Slender Man. After being stabbed, the victim crawled to a road where she laid there on the sidewalk, uh, came with it within millimeters of her death, they said, and was found by a person called 911. She was hospitalized. She made a full recovery. But according to investigators, the two 12-year-old girls who did this said that Slender Man was real. And the only way to win his approval was to kill someone. In February 2015, both girls accused of perpetrating the stabbing were interrogated by the local police. In their interrogations, the girls said that they planned the stabbing because they wanted to keep the slender man from harming them and their families. And that if they did this and they carried out the murders, they believed that they could live with the slender man in his mansion. Evil is real. We had a whole series on the reality of spiritual warfare. Sin leads us away from God. Now let's finish up here. The consequences of shattered wisdom. Our descent into darkness continues for Saul. He hears from Samuel. He hears from Samuel that the Philistines are going to win. And you and your sons will be with me tomorrow, Samuel says. Now, you said, well, Samuel would be in heaven. So Saul and his sons are going to heaven? The the point of the text is not to talk about heaven and hell. Um, the, The Hebrews in the Old Testament talked of Sheol as being the place of the dead. So in a general way, Samuel's saying, you're going to be in the place of the dead tomorrow. And so he hears this, and you see in verse 20, Saul fell at once full length to the ground, filled with fear. When we go to these other places for wisdom, 
when we turn in times of desperation away from God, either to ourselves or to other spirits, when we do this, it only leads us to a place of greater fear. We may think we're going to find the answer. Saul thought he'd find the answer. If I can just talk to Samuel, but after he does, the fear takes over and it leads to despair. Verses 21 on, you see that he falls to the ground. He can't get up. He can't eat. He can't do anything. He is filled with despair. Despair. And God is not, he's not there. The Holy Spirit is gone. So what's the rest of the story? In 1 Samuel chapter 31, Saul and his sons die. Saul is surrounded with his armor bearer. He's there and there's a bunch of Philistines around. And here's the end of Saul. And what does Saul say? He says to his armor bearer, take this sword and kill me. They're coming on, on us, kill me. His armor bearer can't do it. He can't do it. So Saul, King Saul, the man who's a head taller than everyone else, falls on his sword and dies. And the Philistines come and take his body, cut off his head, post his body up on the city gate. This is the end. This is the reality on the ground. You reject God's command. You reject God's ways. You reject God's work. You choose to sin. In the end, it leads to death. So should we just close in prayer and go home? No, we're going to pull back a little bit because we're on the ground and we're going to go back up in the air. And we go back up in the air and we see that that's not the way it has to be. That in the darkness and despair of the fall, God comes into the evil and he redeems a people for himself. Those who obey his command. Those who trust in the son, Jesus Christ. Those who don't choose to sin, but they choose God's wisdom and his ways and they live for him and God provides salvation from the fear, from the despair, from the hurt, from the ache through his plan through Jesus Christ. And so sit in it for a second where Saul is and realize that that could be your end if you turn to the world for wisdom. But know that God's provided a way for you to break free and to have healing and to have true wisdom. Wisdom is the knowledge, yes, but it's the knowledge put into action. It's the exercising of that. That's what it means to be a Christian. You have the knowledge of Jesus Christ, but you bear fruit in your life because you believe it to your very soul. Let's pray together now. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. We, uh, we thank you for that, even the dark places of this life that you, um, you can raise us up out of the darkness and the mire. But Lord, I pray right now for anyone even here in this place this morning who've, they felt convicted this morning because they've, they've chosen other ways. They've chose to sin and to reject your wisdom, Lord, that you would convict them, that they would turn in repentance and faith this morning.
Lord, help us to be not like Saul. Help us to be ones um, that are filled with the knowledge of the truth, but are living it out. We know not perfectly, so thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your restoration, and help us go from here to live for you in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen.